You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Rewinding to September of 2018, we re-release a slightly revised podcast of an episode you might have missed. TSP 61. The Absence of Silence. Is technology engulfing us in a world of noise? Imagine trying to track an animal through New York City. Mm-hmm. That would be how difficult it would be, right? Exactly. You're immersed in a lot of sounds that would cloud the sound that you're trying to key in on, which, by the way, is what happens to people who have typically hearing impairment. It's that inability to break the patterns of sound. So, for example, the first thing that someone who's hard of hearing will tell you is they don't like being in a room full of people right? and hearing multiple conversations because they can't distinguish. The frequencies are all kind of meshing and bouncing off each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making it a noise. Induction loop systems are solutions for assisted listening, providing access to high-quality internal sound for hard of hearing. These systems are a great benefit to the hard of hearing so harry sound check sound check checking sound check check mm-hmm. and this is normally how we start our podcast with a sound check we start it yeah it's all about sound here at the old sill factory where we're going to open the show with you talking a bit about sound and technology mm-hmm. so sound is essentially made up of three components there's three characteristics to sound there's an actual frequency Then there's what they call the quality of sound, which is based on harmonics, harmonics being resonant sounds. So, for example, if you hear a horn blow, (laughs) (laughs) the angel Gabriel is coming. (laughs) Or you've had a a bowl of baked beans, one or the other. But anyway, carry on. (laughs) No, anyway, harmonics uh, basically is, is what gives sound its quality. So when you hear a piano note or a trumpet note, it's the harmonics that give it that full body. Right. And then the third characteristic is the loudness level, normally measured in decibels. Yeah, and that's the part we kind of get most readily. Decibels. How many decibels, for example? Oh, but let's talk about something that's easier to grasp. Okay. For example, a normal room conversation. Okay. Start normal room conversation is 60 to 70 decibels. So as we're talking now, it's about 60 to 70. Correct. Okay. Now, going up from there? We go from 60 to 70 it's only a 10 decibel increase, Yep. but you have to double the volume in order to go from 60 to 70. Okay. It's an exponential factor. Then by the time you get to a jet airplane, you're at 120, 140. And so the point of discomfort then, major discomfort starts around what? You can comfortably hold 80 or 90 for a certain length of time, but mm-hmm. 80 or 90 is considered kind of the outside limit. Typically, you want to stay between 70 and 80 to avoid any kind of damage to the ear. Right. But you can sustain levels of 80 or 90 for short periods of time. But once you get into above the 80, 90 range, then you incur potential damage. Damage will actually occur. The question is how much mm-hmm. and for how long the period lasts. Right. And so a rock concert would be, what, around 100 or so Decibel, something in that range. It's generally well over 100, depending on the distance you are from the stage and so on. And also how long you subject yourself to that yes. level of volume yes. will determine whether you have serious damage happening, right? Mm-hmm. Over a three, four hour period, you could sustain irreversible damage. And people have, you know. Yes, they have. They're... I know a lot of people who are having severe hearing problems. And typically, 
That is one of the reasons, either rock concerts or working in places where there was sustained high levels of noise and they never protected their ears. Yeah. Now, you could mark that up to technology, can't you? Because rock concerts weren't rock concerts before amplification came along and electrics. Very it would have true. been acoustic sitting around in a circle, be intimate, it would be much quieter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There wouldn't be any damage to ears at those concerts. That's right. So technology has come along in the last 150 years, since the Industrial Revolution in a way, to really juice up the sonic atmosphere of our day-to-day life. Well, especially with our day-to-day devices, uh, let mm-hmm. alone stages and rock concert performances. We're talking about smartphones, computers, other devices that we use. Years ago, it was a pager. Um, whatever item you can think of, they are devices in our day-to-day use. Mm-hmm. We're talking about noise, and then we're also talking about levels of noise. So a smartphone may not hurt your ears, mm-hmm. but it's introducing noise pollution, right? Yeah. which is disruptive, which has been proven to be a distraction of sorts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things going on here. But generally, yes, technology has introduced all kinds of new noises as well. Noise has always existed. In the agricultural sure. age, you heard animals and you heard the grinding of cartwheels. The plow exactly. pushing through dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And my wife had mentioned to me the other day that one of the things that's most annoying for her, sound-wise, mm-hmm. is the beeping that she hears, trucks backing up the beeping of her cell phone, those kinds of noises on the computer. And those Mm. beeping sounds were not sounds you would hear in nature, number one, and uh, they weren't around before we became industrialized in a way. Well, that brings us also as to the nature of the sound. Those beeps that you hear have a certain frequency by design. Mm -hmm. That's why they're annoying. They're designed to get your attention. Right. Right. They're a higher frequency. Like babies crying. That's why babies have high-pitched sounds. That's nature's way of making sure they get your attention when they need you. Mm -hmm. So there's another element that I discussed when we were talking about the characteristics of sound. A lot of sound is annoying, even if it's not damaging. The use of sound is both positive and negative, Mm -hmm. can be both positive and negative. Its intention, in general, is for a positive outcome to warn you about something, to give you information, to say, you're next, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in prehistoric times, from the whole approach to hunting, you had to be very alert to certain sounds. (laughs) You needed quiet in order to pay attention to those sounds. The animal you were tracking, or was it tracking you? Could it pick up your scent before you got to it? You had to be wary of winds. You had Mm -hmm. to be wary of a variety of sounds so that you could move in on your supposed target or position yourself. Imagine trying to track an animal through New York City. That would be how difficult it would be, right? Exactly. You're immersed in a lot of sounds that would cloud the sound that you're trying to key in on, which, by the way, is what happens to people who have hearing impairment. So, for example, the first thing that someone who's hard of hearing will tell you is they don't like being in a room full of people and hearing multiple conversations because they can't distinguish. The frequencies are all kind of meshing and bouncing off each other, Mm -hmm. making it a noise. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very interesting. that's what happens. So, you're hearing impaired not just by the volume, you're hearing impaired by the frequencies that you're actually hearing. Mm -hmm. One of the great examples of working with sound in the 20th century... Mm-hmm. was Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. Can yes. you talk a bit about Phil Spector's Wall of Sound? 
Sure. That was in the 60s, mid-60s, and Phil Spector wanted to employ a format or a, a way of getting sound to penetrate more deeply into the listener. <laughs> and so the wall of sound was this sort of a layering of sounds to augment the original sound. So, for example, if you had a piano, you would put in a harpsichord with a similar kind of a physical structure and sound. Yeah. And then you would layer things so that you would be actually adding emphasis to a particular sound. Kind of thickening the stew, That's exactly right? what you're doing. And what the thickening does is it allows it to penetrate through similar ambient sounds. For example, when you're watching TV, a commercial comes on and you haven't adjusted the volume on your TV, yet it sounds louder. Right. They're using compression. Phil Spector was using a form of compression by thickening, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. creating that particular effect. And some big hits that people might know, uh, that to do Ron, 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 to do Ron, Ron. Let It Be by the Beatles. Let It Be, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. So, I mean, he really started a major trend. It's used to this day. Again, to get your attention primarily. Yeah. And also to give you that sense of being enveloped mm -hmm. in sound. There's more there than is actually there. Yeah, right. So that's a good intention. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that coin, people who live in the city tend to complain about the noise. Yeah. They're complaining about traffic, sirens, trucks, trains, people yakking in the streets, mm -hmm. sounds on the streets. There's music everywhere. You go shopping. There's constantly music raining down on you in all kinds of retail environments. And so people try to find ways of getting away from that noise. Absolutely. So what do they do? They take a yoga class, they meditate, they go, even if they're not religious, they might go and sit in a church or a temple and just... I've done it myself a few times. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. uh, soak in the quiet. Often people do that who are traveling around the world. They might seek the closest sure. cathedral to take a moment out of a very busy day. It's one of the reasons I used to visit museums in my teens. Museums, yeah, same thing, art galleries. There's a sense of calmness there, of people experiencing something, but not having to talk about it all the time. Exactly. Create noise around it. And so we seek out these sonic temples of silence, if you like. Yeah, well put. And, and also in that same line of thinking, in day-to-day -day living, <laughs> families are having to compete with all these electronic devices at social events, at dinners, and so on. And the need for silence has kind of increased along with it. Sometimes they don't even understand why they're feeling as agitated as they are. <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with the pollution, what I call sound pollution. Box, box. So, what's your story? This is just some of the noise that I'm exposed to. All this noise is really annoying, but it's also killing my ears. Hearing loss is the fourth highest cause of disability across the world, and it's expected to get much worse. In the U.S. alone, one in four adults show signs of noise-induced hearing loss. One of the main reasons behind that is all the noise that's around us every single day. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, the best way to protect your hearing is to limit noise levels to 70 decibels. And experts agree that continued exposure to noise above 85 decibels will eventually harm your hearing. If you're curious about the noise levels around you, decibel readers tell you exactly how much noise you're being exposed to. I ride the subway for hours every day, and it's really, really loud. 
but putting in my headphones doesn't really help. Smartphones cranked all the way up are about 100 decibels, but there are ways you can prevent noise-induced hearing loss. You can wear noise-canceling headphones or foam earplugs in loud environments like the subway or on airplanes. You can limit the amount of time you're exposed to loud sounds and move further away from the source of the noise. You can go into the settings and set a maximum volume on your phone to prevent playing your music too loud. So yeah, the problem's bad, but you don't have to take it lying down. Box, box. The equivalent in air pollution is you see people sometimes wearing surgical masks because mm-hmm. they don't want to inhale the pollutants in the air. Well, if one were to wear noise-canceling headphones, it would achieve something of the same thing, would it not? Yes, it would. And how do they work? So noise-canceling devices basically take the ambient noise outside of those earphones. And essentially what they do is they create an electronic version of the wave that they're competing with and do the opposite 180 effect. So if you can imagine a wave sound in crests Crests and and troughs, basically if you have a crest, then what you want to do is create a trough. Yeah. So you now neutralize or you blend those two sounds to give you a flat line. Oh, okay. Okay. And also, I think people need to know, because I just learned about this today from you, Mm. that there are actually apps out there which will allow you to measure the decibel level of any environment. Yeah, I have one on my phone. I've had it for a couple of years. I never knew that was even possible. And so now people can measure the decibel levels of their environment and either step out of that environment if it's too much or put on noise-canceling headphones or what have you, Mm. turn off the (laughs) TV if it's too loud. The other thing about sound, which is intriguing, when we talk about sort of the positive side to sound waves, Mm. is that I was told a number of years ago, and this may just be bullshit, I don't know, but I was told that the ancient Egyptians had some special relationship to sound such that they could use it to move matter and that they could move these giant pyramid blocks Mm -hmm. working with sound energy in some kind of esoteric form that we're not kind of aware of. Well, you just said it. Sound energy, it's a wave, just like a laser is. It's a light wave emitted by light. You can generate force by controlling it. Right. For example, they can use sound to break concrete. Yeah. It's another version of energy, Uh which is being controlled to maximize its power. So whenever you have any kind of wave energy, by altering the wave frequency, you can alter the power. Right. Same thing on the opposite ends of the spectrum with uh, low-level sound. Yeah. Whales, porpoises, sonar. And they've created CDs of meditative sounds Mm -hmm. at certain frequencies which mesh with our brainwaves in a certain way to create calmness. So there's benefits there. Even such stuff like uh, music therapy. Yes, absolutely. Is it working with sound to aid in healing, Mm -hmm. right? Music is a tremendous healer depending on how you apply it and so on. And yes, there are frequencies which humans naturally respond to. (laughs) In everyday application, again, uh, let's take a newscast. Yeah. In a typical newscast, you never find an anchor on a news program with a high-pitched voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So typically, it's either all male or females who have an alto or a more Mm -hmm. tenor level voice frequency. And why is that? Because typically, humans are irritated by high-pitched sounds. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why? Why would that be? Well. I can't understand that. And if you hear this for any sustained period, you get irritated. 
It's the reason even, for example, if you look at the hiring of CEOs yeah. on major companies, their actual voice quality <laughs> is near the top of the list of requirements because yeah. they have to speak to their people, to the companies, to whatever presentations they have to make. And mm. voice quality <laughs> affects the way people respond to you. Sure. Yeah, and good actors will understand that very well and be able to modulate mm -hmm. their voice. Although we know it's not always true, typically the way the brain interprets is a lower timber voice is construed as more authoritative, more credible. Mm -hmm. And more soothing. I had a friend, he used to work miracles with babies who were upset and anxious. He would pull them in his arms and he would lean down and he would go, Oh, oh, in this very deep, long voice, and the child would immediately calm. I can give you all scientific reason for that. Yeah. So typically what happens, and this actually happened to me when my son was born, without getting into the details, what happens is the child has been immersed for nine months yeah. in a very low frequency environment, the womb, mm -hmm. the yes. sound, heartbeats, they're all low frequency sounds. Right. So when that child, after spending all that time in that environment comes out, they still respond to that low level frequency. Uh -huh. That's why babies typically right. are more responsive to lower timber voices. Yeah. Or the recording of a heartbeat will yes. often calm them as well. That's interesting. The mediating environment for sound takes us away from the planet mm -hmm. into outer space, where you can't hear yourself scream, apparently. And the reason is, is because there's no molecules yeah. to transfer the wave energy. And sound requires molecules in order right. to do that. Because space is a vacuum, so sound cannot exist in a pure vacuum. Mm -hmm. So you could scream at the top of your lungs, no one would hear anything. Similarly with an explosion, you can have an explosion, yeah. you'd see the fireball, but you wouldn't hear anything. Wait a second. I think I take issue with this. <laughs> you can't have sound in, inside a vacuum. The Spice Girls <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. are an example Come on. of sound inside a vacuum. Anyway, there you Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it has no path in which to travel. It's also affected by the medium that it's traveling through. That's right. For example, you can't hear a train if it's at a certain distance, but if you put your ear to the track, yes, you'll hear it because the ability of the sound to travel through that metal mm -hmm. or the distance that it can cover, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, kind of a direct connection to that hunter you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. who had to listen to the qualities of the wind coming through the trees, for example, to, mm -hmm. to understand how the weather was going to shift or to hear certain animal movements or cries or what have you. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the medium and about a way of listening inside that medium for maximum effect or value. And that's important what you just said, the way of listening. So sometimes if you take a city dweller mm -hmm. who's used to this constant cacophony yeah. of a myriad of sounds, it's not just one, one particular frequency, there's all kinds of frequencies. Yeah. You're kind of lost in it all. There's no distinguishing mark. Someone who's lived in the country all their life, mm -hmm. they're much more sensitive to particular sounds, a twig breaking, 
something crawling yeah. on the ground, a river flow. Yes. They can tell a lot mm -hmm. by the sounds. Oh, yeah. We listen sometimes it's so quiet where we live that the minute a coyote howls, we can sort of pinpoint which field it's in, how close it likely is. Mm -hmm. And that's, and even its age, maybe, that it's a young one or an older one, you get sensitized. Your listening gets uh, more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. you know? And I had a friend once, too, who said to me that we can gain knowledge through listening. And what he meant was we can actually read an environment mm -hmm. the way we would through our eyes. We can read the environment through our ears. So if you walk into a party, for example, instead of listening to each of the conversations as they pop out at you, if you tried to listen to the entire, entire rooms room. yep. at the same time, you mm -hmm. just kind of open your ears wide and you let it sink in as a unit mm -hmm. that you'll get a reading on the room, which is really yes. interesting. You can read yes. the room sonically. Speaking of which, because you're talking here again on a social level, we're also conditioned generally to not be comfortable in silence. Yeah, that's right. Very uncomfortable for people. And it's death to radio. No radio station wants to have dead air. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and again, it's an association, but really that's not the way a lot of us function mm -hmm. when we're alone. Mm -hmm. We appreciate a kind of silence, but socially for many people, it's awkward. For me personally, that's always been my measure of comfort with another individual. What is? If I can be in that person's company or presence and we do not have to speak and I'm comfortable, <laughs> I know I'm in a good place with that individual. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we can turn that on ourselves too, mm -hmm. because as much as we can avoid external sounds, you can't avoid your internal sounds that are coming at us from our busy brains. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons for meditation, et cetera, is to quiet down the inner Mm -hmm. sonic atmosphere, not so much the outer, even more so the inner, mm -hmm. uh, because we're very noisy inside each other. And, you know, I find myself too getting in my car and starting the car and turning the radio on immediately. Mm. I catch myself and I go, wait a second, maybe I don't need that noise coming at me as I'm driving. Maybe I can just drive mm -hmm. and listen to the birds outside the window and what have you. Mm -hmm. So to become aware of how we listen and what we're listening to Yes. is, I think, really important so we can be a bit more balanced in the world, how we move through the world. Mm -hmm. And some people are affected differently by different things. So, for example, I'm equally comfortable listening to the radio or having it off. Right? Yeah. Because when I turn it on, I turn it on for a purpose. Mm -hmm. But I'm equally comfortable turning it off. But there are also sounds that are intrinsically irritating, and they're irritating for a reason because of the way our brain processes. For example, white noise. What's white noise? White noise has that kind of incessant pitch or frequency, like a fan in your kitchen uh -huh. or a fan, period. Kind static? Of... Wouldn't static be static considered white noise? Be. Static might be. <laughs> well, the whole world of noise, mm. the whole world of busyness, uh, activity all the time reminds me of Shakespeare when he says, it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Beautiful. You know? mm -hmm. So, sound, listening. Speaking of sound. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of sound, we have an audio commentary mm -hmm. uh, icon on various websites now, various platforms, where you can leave an audio comment. Well, specifically on the sillpodcast.com is yeah. where you can go to leave an audio message. Yeah. 
So do it and let us know how we're doing. We'd really appreciate that. And we may, in fact, even use, of course, with your permission, we may even use a portion of whatever message you have, one of our future podcasts. And if you're too noisy, we'll wear noise-canceling headphones while we listen to you. So maybe a good way to uh, say goodbye is to go into total silence. Fade down, fade down, fade down, fade down. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.